0: I'm Jeff Gibson.
1: And I'm Shanna Paxton.
0: And we are the, the Movie lovers. lovers. Welcome to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. Yes, hello. Each episode, we'll talk about our weekend review, move on to the main event, which is a main review or topic of discussion, and finish with Film Faves, our list of 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. In this episode, We had a tough time finding a a movie to review because it's August and there really isn't a whole lot of good stuff in the theaters and even coming out on video. There's not a lot of great stuff, but we decided to review Kelly Reichardt's latest from late 2016 Certain Women, which recently came out on Amazon to rent and in September will be coming on to uh, Criterion Edition. So, in addition to that, our film faves will be focusing on...
1: The 2009 movie film list.
0: So, right. the year 2009, we are moving into another decade. This is actually the first list we've, we're coming across that was actually published in the original film phase on the Gibson Review blog, which inspired this segment of... The uh, show.
1: Was this your first list you ever made?
0: Yeah, actually it is. Yes, I think I went backwards ah, through time too.
1: Uh, started in 2009.
0: So I'll try to link that in the show notes so you can compare that list to what we share today. See if there's any differences. Yeah. So moving on with the show, let's start with our week in review, Shanna. Tell us about your week.
1: Well, I had a couple TV shows that I started watching and then I had a couple movies. So I'm going to start with movie. One movie that I really enjoyed was Bewitched, and that's the movie starring Will Ferrell and Nicole Kidman, and it's
0: It's the movie by Nora Ephron, correct?
1: Yes, it's one of her movies, and that explains a lot because it is kind of, you know, fluffy, but it's really, really fun. And the soundtrack, the, the music that they use is really fun as well. I forgot how much I actually like this movie. Mm. There's a lot of really good songs in there. And the movie is focusing on Hollywood trying to cast actors to play in the remake of the Bewitched TV show. So it's not about, it's not taking place in the Bewitched world.
0: Mm okay
1: it's actually taking place in hollywood and will ferrell is this egotistical actor and he finds nicole kidman who is a real witch in this world and she came to the mortal world to have a different life Hmm. she's very naive and very happy to be in the mortal world she opens up like 24 cans of soda just to open it. Not to drink, though. Not to drink, just to open it. It's very satisfying. Interesting. And she gets a kick out of that, and, you know, she'll try and set up her cable, but that doesn't work, so then she does use magic, so she has these moments. Someone else that is in there is Michael Caine, is her father. So he pops in and out every now and again, which is really fun. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, she... Because she's going through this detox of her magic, she goes a little too far with her magic sometimes, and then she comes right back. So it's really funny. Hmm. It's a really fun movie. And I know a lot of people didn't like this movie, but I don't care because it made me smile. So here Okay. We go. okay. I also started watching the Netflix TV show 13 Reasons Why.
0: Oh, complete opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah,
1: so I actually wanted to watch Bewitched again, <laughs> just to cheer me up.
0: <laughs> so this is the the Netflix series that debuted, I think, at the beginning of the year, if not late last year. It was a bit of a sensation. It has something to do with a teenager who committed suicide, right?
1: She did, and so what she's done is she's actually left reasons why she committed suicide.
0: Are there 13.
1: I think there are, like, <laughs> maybe even 26. Well, if she I don't stopped know. at
0: 12, this would be very disappointing. Well, and then
1: I found out that there's going to be a season two. So I'm, like, really mm. struggling to get through this TV show because everybody had a crappy high school experience. And if you mm. didn't, then maybe you're having a crappy life right now. I don't know. So anyway. That's
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> So is the season two going to be called Even More Reasons Why?
1: (laughs) Reasons Revisited. No, I don't know. So um, I got a little annoyed because I was like, does that mean that you're not actually... Because I'm only on episode nine. Okay. So does that mean that you're not actually going to conclude the show? And that's really going to piss me off. Mm. So, But I don't know for sure because it's hard getting through... All these different things and anything that can go wrong with you in high school, they put into this show.
0: So it doesn't sound like you're enjoying it much. Do you recommend it?
1: I think it's a good show to watch if you're having a hard time understanding teenagers because you forget. You're like 30, 40 now, and you forget what it's like to be a teenager. It's actually really shit. So and you think,
0: feel like it's an accurate depiction of of teenagers today? I
1: think so because I'll watch all these incidents that happen mm. and I'm like about 80% of them it did happen either to me or to a friend. Okay. And that's a lot out of 100%. That's okay. a lot of crap to happen. Mm. So it's it's a very good show in that okay. way, but it's very hard to get through because it's – emotionally disturbing and it brings up your own stuff that might Mm. have happened to you so
0: do you like it do you think you'll finish it
1: oh I'm gonna finish it
0: yeah
1: um I really hope that I'm not gonna get like hurt from Mm. it because coming back to a different tv show that I watched that I'm watching Rizzoli and Isles my mother told me oh you're really not gonna like the end and I don't think I am. Okay. So I've been trying to get through that as stated in like a previous episode. I don't, I think I'm going to be really sad. Mm. So.
0: Okay. So is that a recommendation for 13 Reasons Why?
1: I would recommend it, especially okay. if you forgot what it's like to be a teenager. And it's also good to watch with your teenager or even with your kids. Mm. I mean, you know, our son is going to go into middle school yeah. pretty soon and I would actually I'd want you to watch it first but I would want us to watch it with him mm. and really talk to him about preventing this kind of nonsense because it's all preventable Okay, essentially what these teenagers are not doing is they're not talking to anyone or telling uh. anyone about all this nonsense that's happening which mm. is insanity so there we go that's my weekend review all over the place how about yours
0: well, I saw a couple movies and a TV show that I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, just really briefly, I saw I rewatched Gettysburg, which is a 1993 Civil War film. I watched this with uh, my son and it's a you know it's a good to watch every few years. I, I think I pretty much do that. The uh, version I have though is four and a half hours long. But it never drags. There are some scenes where characters are... It's all about characters talking. Some of it is really establishing and um, kind of fleshing out the characters and their thoughts and their roles in, in the famous war. But most of it is about the different units... Of both Confederate and Union armies uh, moving closer and closer to Gettysburg, and trying to advance, and the Union, the Confederate armies trying to advance north and take over, and the uh, the Union armies are basically trying to hold their ground and push back the Confederate armies back into Virginia. This was a project that Ted Turner really pushed forward and was kind of a passion project for him. He was going to be a miniseries for his uh, channel at the time, TNT. Really? Yeah, but he believed in it enough to push for a theatrical run, which it did. I don't blame him because it has an, an incredible cast. You got Martin Sheen as uh, General Lee. You have Richard Jordan, Jeff Daniels, Sam Elliott's in it briefly. C. Thomas Howell. So so many people. It's even hard to remember off the top of your head everyone. But it is a really good film, and I would argue probably the best Civil War film. Despite its length, because not only are the battles riveting and exciting, um, but it takes these these names that you read in history books in school and actually puts a human to them—not just a face, but a human to them—and it shows that you know all these people on both sides of the war, you know, they were they were all fearful but some were full of a lot of pride like they really believed in what they were fighting for and even if they felt happened to fall on the wrong side of history there is something really not endearing but i guess there's something really relatable to that you know i mean there are characters on the confederate side tom berenger is another One um, who worked closely, plays a character, a person who worked closely with um, Lee. There are characters on that side who are some of my favorite characters in the movie. You know, Uh, Richard Jordan and Jeff Daniels, I feel, are MVPs in this movie and they should have gotten some awards recognition. I feel like Jeff Daniels gives some of his best work in his entire career. Uh, in this film as I think his I think it's Colonel Chamberlain. I believe his his uh, title is Colonel but I could be wrong about that. I probably am. The name is Chamberlain and he is fantastic uh, in this film. So Gettysburg you can find a copy of the Blu-ray 150th anniversary edition fairly easily
1: 150
0: Yeah, it was a commemorative of the battle itself. Oh,
1: okay, I was about yeah. to say hang on. Yeah, no,
0: 1993 was not 150 years ago. Um, but you can find it easily. It's like 10-12 bucks on oh, Amazon. That's, uh, that's good to, uh, to purchase that Blu-ray. and It's nice.
1: You said that it is a great movie to pair up with what you've learned in history class. Well,
0: it, it it's it's a great way to actually put a person to these names and make them actually kind of click and connect with you
1: well my question is when at what grade do you learn about Gettysburg
0: well U.S. history for sure Uh, so that would be uh, roughly junior year in high school
1: oh okay so when would you because I know you watched it with Logan but when do you recommend for parents to watch it with their kids
0: I would say um, anyone 10 and above. It's not, uh, this is, interestingly enough, one of the common criticisms of the movie. It's not an incredibly bloody and gory film. This is not the Saving Private Ryan of Civil War films Jeez. or anything like that. Of course, people die, and it shows that, and people get wounded, and it shows that, but it doesn't go over the top with with it. So it's definitely, like, PG-13 material.
1: And you broke it up with Logan.
0: Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to squeeze in a four-and-a-half-hour sitting, yeah. you know? And I, I definitely recommend it. I think there's even—I could be wrong, but I think there's even an intermission in it. I don't remember off the top of my head.
1: it has got to be. But,
0: yeah, you can easily break it up in half, you know, two-hour sittings each. Anyway, so I didn't want to dwell on that too much, but Gettysburg, I highly recommend. And then— I watched the show The Good Place, starring Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. So this is the hit TV show on NBC. I was very surprised. There's only 13 episodes. Uh, I expected it to be a full season run of 24 episodes.
1: Isn't that... I thought that that's pretty common, unless it's like a hospital drama. Then oh, they gosh. Go. No, not for network
0: TV. Oh. Well, for... Scandal's
1: only a couple episodes, too.
0: Oh, you mean it's like thirteen episodes?
1: It's like ten or twelve episodes. Or that's something. really
0: bizarre. That's a very recent development. So i because um the fall season is usually from September to like May or June, and that's way more than thirteen weeks, right? So I mean, I anyway, guess I
1: could be wrong. Anyway, moving on. I, I was
0: really surprised, but uh, this is a pretty good, pretty good series. Uh, it's it's funny. The premise is that Kristen Bell. If you're not familiar with the show, Kristen Bell finds herself in heaven. And she um, is learning about the entire environment of heaven. But you discover she actually is a really terrible person (laughs) who got into heaven by accident. And she's trying to basically be incognito, keep herself in heaven and try to learn to be a better person so she can stay. And there's a wonderful cast of characters. I think one of the standouts is a woman named uh, Jamila Jamil, who I am not familiar with prior to this show. But she ends up being a real comedic talent in this, uh, in this, uh, film, or in this uh, series. She starts out as basically this absolute goody-two-shoes, very wealthy person who donated billions of dollars to different
1: causes.
0: (laughs) And as you spend more and more time with with her and the other characters, she becomes just a really great talent. Uh, She's really funny. Her facial expressions are, are fantastic. Her reactions to the characters around her you know you, you come to the show to see ted danson and Kristen bell you stay for the rest of the cast honestly mm-hmm. and hopefully you also stay stick around because there is a last minute twist that that's it's quite surprising and very. They're interesting. not
1: really in heaven. I am not telling. They're you, in hell.
0: I, I'm not telling you anything because you haven't even seen the TV no. show. So
1: that's why I'm not a spoiler. So unless I am, which would be hilarious.
0: <laughs> you would be so chuffed. Like I would. If you were right. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's a good place. You can find it on Hulu, and and the NBC app too. Lastly i saw a film called colossal which i wish we caught up with in april i finally caught up with it it's available to rent on amazon right now stars anne hathaway and jason sudeikis anne hathaway plays basically a you know rock bottom drunk who i think she's funny
1: as a drunk i know that's weird to say but have you seen rachel getting married yeah
0: it's a very awkward, well, uncomfortable movie. It's not exactly laugh at I all I think hilarious.
1: she's good at it.
0: She's very good at yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, she comes back to her hometown, uh, runs into childhood friend Jason Sudeikis. And meanwhile, there is a kaiju that pops up in a Seoul. A kaiju. Yeah, listen. Sorry, <laughs> it's just that's not what
1: I was expecting.
0: That pops up in Seoul, South Korea. Like at the same time every day and disappears, and there may be a connection between these two stories. I found Colossal to be one of the most unique and imaginative films I've seen in 2017 so far. It uh, is a film about self-loathing and and how l- not loving yourself can end up. Hurting so, leading you to hurt so many people around you, and of course, lead to your life going nowhere. And it's a really uh, fascinating film that I, I highly recommend. Of course, the leads are great in it. Yeah, it's uh, by Nacho Vigalondo. Who, if you haven't seen his hit film, his international hit film, Time Crimes, which is a time travel movie.
1: What? Why haven't I seen it?
0: Exactly. I don't know. And uh, the same goes for the uh, people listening at home. Have you watched it? Oh, I I discovered it several years ago, back around 2010. Uh, You should definitely seek that one out, too. Uh, But Colossal, I think, is uh, overlooked and underrated. And you should seek it out on Amazon to rent. Okay, so, Lovey, let's Sorry. talk about our week in review. Did we, we
1: watch anything together? Oh, Jessica Jones.
0: Oh, yes, we watched Jessica we Jones. Finished we finished it, finished it, guys. I didn't have it in my show notes. Oh, I just I realized I that. It. Okay, share your thoughts of Jessica Jones. I really I
1: liked notes. it. I thought that it's this really cool adult detective film noir because sometimes the lighting mm-hmm. is very, you know, yeah, yeah, of that sure of that uh style yeah Yeah. so i was really thrilled by it and she really kicks ass and you know i'm always looking for women that kick ass so um, i really enjoyed that and it's such a great show in that all these different characters become completely different people at the end or they find they either become completely different or they discover who they really are Mm. and i really enjoyed that
0: yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I It also I,
1: had a satisfying end. I yes, it was satisfying. I think
0: I would agree with that. It is a very different show as a superhero series because, it, A, it's not episodic. It's not about her fight, solving crimes and fighting bad guys every single episode. There is one, pretty much just one story that carries through the 13 episodes and uh, Kristen Ritter is the title is the person who plays the title character, Jessica Jones. For those of you who may be familiar with her from Breaking Bad, you uh, probably will enjoy her here. She's very bitter. She's very... Um,
1: Isn't she also from Veronica Mars?
0: I don't recall. Oh, okay. It's been too long since I that series. She might have had a bit part in that. But, you know, she's a very cynical she definitely is not a warm happy person in any way she's an alcohol i mean she drinks like she drinks like a fish
1: yeah like, all the time it's a good um, show of like adult problems
0: yeah well there's several scenes in this series where i'm like challenges something very dark will and and violent will happen and i'm like <laughs> same universe as Ant-Man, guys. Same this...
1: universe as Groot. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. It's just it's just mind-boggling that these uh, shows exist in the same universe as the movies. Well, and I'm glad um,
1: that they do that because then you have this really interesting contrast between beautiful, fun, happy mm. versus completely dark and dreary and... So crime-laden and personal problems to the max.
0: Yeah, they're definitely taking advantage of the Netflix format. For me, this series really took a while to get going. I mean, I think it takes until—it's a 13-episode series, and I think it took until episode 5 or 6 before things really started to pick up and get interesting— mostly because the first half of the series focuses on um carrie ann moss's hogarth who's a lawyer this lawyer's going through a divorce and she works uh, a little bit with jessica jones and i honestly couldn't care less about that that Mm -hmm. storyline and i i really wanted to get on with this uh, Kilgrave storyline in the comics he's known as the purple man and Kilgrave is his real name <laughs> but he's played by David Tennant and I have to say like he really does a, an amazing job of demonstrating how incredibly dangerous somebody who can has the power to tell people what to do and they will do what exactly what he does how incredibly dangerous that power is uh, he's actually very, he's not mustache twirling evil, but he is very menacing when he wants to be.
1: I thought that he was beyond like one dimension. Yeah, Because he does have his own problems, and definitely. I love it when they do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. The, the series takes enough time to be able to develop that. So I didn't like it as much as Dare, the Daredevil TV series. Um, I think partially because half the series, it just, like, you know, the second half is really the best half of the series, in my opinion. It really gets interesting then. But...
1: Well, I've, something else to note is I feel like, you know, we broke this series up over maybe three months. Oh,
0: God, it took us forever. And I feel
1: through. like that's not good. <laughs> I Like, when it's only 13 <laughs> episodes, I feel like, no, suck it up. Watch it every day for two weeks. You yeah,
0: know? yeah. So, yeah, I, I am looking forward to and hopeful of the next series on our agenda, which is Luke Cage.
1: Oh, yeah, that looks um, like it's going to be good. He I, is amazing.
0: Those who are listening, they're probably way more caught up than us, being as how Defenders is count, just came out, and we haven't seen Luke Cage or um, It's already Iron out? Fist. It came out like this oh, weekend. Oh, my
1: word, we are so far behind, and yeah, we're geeks. Yeah. What the hell?
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, well, what
1: else happened in our Week lastly
0: another marvel property we watched spider-man homecoming Again, <laughs> oh, yes. we finally caught up to that our lives <laughs> has just been really really busy with work and so we've had a hard time staying on top of some things so but we did finally catch up with spider-man homecoming and did you have any brief thoughts about that
1: it was super colorful but not super kitty so i mm-hmm. appreciated that yeah i loved how flimsy and just a total teen <laughs> he was because he's yeah. completely like He's a kid. Yeah. And I love that they did that. They didn't even make his body look like a... I don't know how old the actor actually is, but...
0: Oh, he's his, somewhere around, like, 19 to 21 years old. Okay.
1: Usually they put, like, a 25-year-old in that right, position. Yeah. And I'm like, no, for heaven's sakes. Yeah,
0: no, for once, he's actually age-appropriate. I just don't remember his yeah. exact na- age. Yeah. Tom Holland, by the way, is the actor's name.
1: So I really like that he was, you know, he kept tripping over himself, which is what teenage boys do. Mm, yeah. Um, never mind if you have new powers mm-hmm. and i liked that he had a couple problems but not too many problems it wasn't depressing so, like sometimes when i watch spider-man movies i feel a bit depressed afterwards because i'm like what a poor kid i enjoyed it it was fairly balanced and i also liked the villain
0: played by michael keaton
1: yeah i love michael keaton
0: what did you think what did you like about uh, Michael Keaton
1: is I think it's hilarious culture. that the other movie we watched of his was Birdman, and now he's a Birdman.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. I, <laughs>
1: I think it's a fun, like, pop culture thing.
0: Well, you watch Birdman, and you think, basically, oh, you know, this is a guy who's uh, kind of above those blockbuster movies now. That All that stuff is in the past for him.
1: Well, as long as you make, like, a critical movie about it... Like, if you comment about how ridiculous it is, then you can go back to it. (laughs) You can be full circle. (laughs) Yeah. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, first of all, I have to say I absolutely loved and enjoyed Spider-Man Homecoming. It is uh, leaps and bounds better as a movie than the recent Sony films um, that starred Andrew Garfield. I always liked Andrew Garfield's performance in those movies. I always thought like he was the only good like he he deserved being in a different movie, you mm-hmm. know. Like both of those movies are just terrible. And I'm I'm a huge comic geek. I should be excited about seeing these villains and other characters come into life, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it th- those were just exhausting and it's they're almost like the Batman and Robin of Spider-Man movies, particularly oh, Amazing I Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Know? So, but this is like the exact opposite. So I really think Sony came to their senses briefly and when they decided to make this deal with ne- uh, Netflix, with Marvel. With to, Disney? Yeah, with yeah. Uh, having them borrow Spider-Man.
1: It's a good move.
0: Yeah, my only issues with the film that I can recall is on all the tech, all the, all the tech that Spider-Man has.
1: Well, they correct that.
0: I... Yeah, kind of i i kind of feel like you know a kid a kid would still be flipping out over being able to have all these powers Mm. and being able to create these web shooters that he does using his his knowledge for that he doesn't necessarily need to have like essentially a jarvis a female jarvis talking to him and and have all these different modes in his view and and his own webbing and stuff like that.
1: I get that, but they also did kind of balance it with kind of turning it into complete chaos mm. and not working for him. And I feel like you also have to remember that they're they're showing what teenagers are like now, which are very like tech inclined.
0: Yeah, I feel like they're going they're leaning a little too far in that direction in this okay. case. Um, and then the only other issue I had with it was. What was my only other issue I had with it? Oh, I felt like they were really emphasizing Aunt May being age-appropriate, like, way too much. There's, like, too many jokes about her, because it's Marissa Tomei, her being very attractive. And it's kind of one of those things, it's like, you know, why don't we just leave it at Tony Stark's comment back in Civil War, being this playboy? It makes sense for him to make the um, the chauvinist remark and just kind of leave it at that. We don't need everybody to be f- tripping over Aunt May. We get it. it, it, it you know, that kind of mildly annoyed me. But mm-hmm. otherwise, the movie is um, a lot of fun. And I would say it's just short of Raimi's Spider-Man 2 in its greatness. Mm-hmm. So that is our week in review. Let's move on to the main event in our review of Kelly Reichardt's Certain Women never done this before. I guess we'll just start at the beginning. Hey, Flip.
1: What are you doing here? I came to see my lawyer. My wife wants me out of the house. You can't keep coming here. Your wife works for you. No, she's a boss, Sandstone in the front yard. I mean, if you wanted to get rid of it, we, we'd take it off your hands. You don't have to sell it if you don't want to. It's just that Gina wants this new house to be authentic. Hey, Will, good news. Your lawyer's here. No one understands what my life has become. It'd be so lovely to think
0: that if I were a man, would listen and say okay uh so restful and that was from the trailer to certain women directed by kelly reichardt now we recently talked a little bit about kelly reichardt in our episode talking about female directors
1: that was a good episode go listen to it if you haven't heard it yet <laughs>
0: Yes, thanks. Please do. I think that was two episodes ago or so. Uh, You'll be able to find it in your iTunes stream easily. Kelly Reichardt is a director of very small indie films, such as Wendy and Lucy, Meek's Cutoff, and Night Moves. This is uh, Kelly Reichardt's seventh film, Almost every one of her films since Wendy and Lucy has starred Michelle Williams. And this film not only stars Michelle Williams, but it also stars... Laura Dern. Yes! This film stars Laura Dern, Kristen Stewart, and newcomer Lily Gladstone. Uh, as well as James LaGrosse and Jared Harris as a couple uh, supporting male characters in the film. And the the film follows three different stories of women in Montana based on the short stories of male Malloy, I believe. And so you have three separate segments in the film following three different women, and they kind of interconnect very subtly. What we like to do when we review a film is first talk about what we liked about a movie, what was good, and then move on to what was bad or what we didn't like about a movie. We'll lead into a general discussion, and then spoilers and final thoughts. In this case, I think we would barely... Do we even need to go into spoilers? I have, was there anything spoiler, spoilery you wanted to discuss? I believe
1: film? that you thought that it wasn't really spoilerish. I'm talking about Laura Dern's character, what she has to come up against.
0: Okay. Yeah, these um, segments are a fairly short segment, so we'll talk generally about each woman's story and our thoughts about them. But Mm -hmm. first, Shanna, why don't you start us off with what you liked about certain women? You're having to think. This is like your Atomic Blonde, where I was stuck trying to come up with what I liked about it.
1: Honestly, I, I didn't thoroughly enjoy this film.
0: So what did you like about it?
1: Not much. Ooh. I I guess I have some good things to say. Mm-hmm. but look, it's not my kind of film. It was a it was a pretty painful film for me to get through actually. Okay. But I get that why it would be going to criterion, We'll um, talk about
0: that in a little bit. You know,
1: all those things. Yeah. I understand why other people feel it's a good movie, but me personally, um, I would not get, go out of my way to watch this again unless I had a daughter and I'd want to, you know, talk to her about this film. Mm, you know, have a discussion about womanhood.
0: Very interesting. Well, maybe you'll have more to say um, as I talk a little bit. I. I found, first of all, Kelly Reichardt is not a conventional filmmaker uh, by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of her movies are just slice-of-life films. There's not even necessarily a conventional story, per se. Mm. It's You're kind of plopped into the characters' situations, their life, and you just kind of follow them along for a little while. And I kind of feel like... In some ways, that's that's also true for certain women. However, Laura Dern's story is probably the most conventional story-wise out of all of them because she actually, yeah.
1: Oh, tell me why? Well,
0: I I was about to (laughs) because she actually has a plot that entire movies have been made out of before. She plays a lawyer who has a client who's in a very unhappy bind. And he's in a lot of pain. Yeah. And he makes, as a result of all these things building up, he makes a really bad decision. And she's asked to help out with that, resolving that bad bad situation. I mean, that's like premise for a lot of mediocre lawyer slash crime films, Mm. you know. And... So, first of all, I should say that I thought the performances were really, uh, really good. Particularly Lily Gladstone's performance in the th- uh, third chapter, in the third story.
1: I agree with you there.
0: And she is apparently a relative newcomer who just really turned heads, as I understand it, uh, when this film came out in the, the um, festival circuits. And I believe she even won awards. She plays a rancher in Montana who kind of lives a lonely life, and she happens across a class that Kristen Stewart is teaching. And for, for whatever reason, she just becomes absolutely infatuated with Kristen Stewart and just doesn't really care necessarily what she's teaching. She'll just go just to listen to her teach. And she gave this... Subtle, well, everybody gave a subtle performance.
1: Oh, it was painfully subtle, Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but her performance, I feel, you know, you get these very, these moments where she just lights up just a little bit, you know? Yeah. And it all culminates to a moment which by any movie standards is still a very uh, quiet moment Subtle moment, but in a Kelly Reichardt film standard, this is the equivalent equivalent of the guy running across town to to catch up with the girl <laughs> kind of thing, the, the third act Don't thing, leave. right? Like Harry met Sally or something. And she has this scene. Uh, she has she has a moment where it just it's just very powerful and and by doing just very little. All she has to do is just state in very undramatic terms her feelings about the situation in the story, and then what her response is to the response that she gets. It just she does very little, and it goes a long way. And I, and, and apparently like it, it went a long way for a lot of people because m- most critics kind of feel like her segment is the the best segment.
1: I did prefer her segment. Yeah, and I love Laura Dern. Yeah, you but do. Yeah, I did not like her segment.
0: Oh, interesting. So I, I, I found her segment uh, Laura Dern, who is the first act in the film. Found it very interesting, and the thing is, I guess I just
1: wanted more.
0: Each of these women, or at least two out of three of these women, are all struggling in small ways with their role as women in their lives. You know,
1: well, I think it's more about as woman in a relationship with people, whether it's a significant other, a spouse, a child trying to get a significant other
0: or, or or um even a client i mean in this yeah. case laura Dern's case she has a client that will not listen to her advice even though he's clearly like he clearly likes her you know like she's all he's got for some reason he doesn't listen to her enough and it's almost um, like save she's his wife issues. Well, he has a wife. I know, but like
1: that dynamic that tends to sometimes happen after you've been married a long time, Mm. like the husband doesn't listen to the wife.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Hopefully you're not uh, having this dynamic now.
1: (laughs) I think it's just part of the process. You can come away from it or you
0: can't. Oh, is it?
1: (laughs) It's normal.
0: So anyway, we might have to have therapy after this episode. (laughs) so criterion
1: movies they push you forward in life
0: (laughs) and then you have michelle williams character who's the second act of the film and she's a wife and mother who has a husband who is cheating on her unbeknownst to her and also kind of disregards her in terms of parenting and basically all her story is is the, they go to this, this friend of theirs who's an old man played by um, Rene Abadjonal.
1: Oh, and, I'm sorry, but I think you're forgetting something vital.
0: Well, hold on. Let me, let's come back to it. Okay. He has some sandstone bricks laying out in his front yard. And she's asking him if she can buy the sandstone from him as they're building a house. And she would love to use that sandstone to help construct it. And the guy doesn't really acknowledge her as much as the husband, who's not even engaged in the conversation.
1: Because he's such a dick.
0: So, you know, you have these women who are str- who kind of struggle with sexism in these small, subtle ways.
1: But they're powerful ways, because... Just taking that example right now, I mean, that's totally destroying her relationship with her husband, Mm. not feeling like he's supporting her Mm -hmm. or going to be there for her. Whereas if he would just... And he apparently isn't, right? No, he isn't. Right. If he would just be there for her, Mm -hmm. it would, you know, they would become this team. And although the sexism would still be there, it would still keep her in a healthy place if she had that support. Right. But she doesn't.
0: Right, yeah. So I feel like all these elements are strengths of the film. Now, I'm going to let you let loose first.
1: Finally, on Jeez. what
0: you didn't like about the movie? Because we <sighs> did unearth a couple of things as I was talking that you did like about the film that you did agree was good. I think so- that
1: you know you're right. It does. It's a good film about showing sexism, showing how women are ignored by men Mm. in these small ways you call them small but like for me someone like me i'm like this is huge and that's why it was so uncomfortable for me to get through
0: i I guess i should clarify when i say small i don't mean they're major dramatic ways yeah like we're, we're not it's not extroverting the the issues it's very very small and and momentary like the little moments that that would
1: yeah I know you're not downplaying it it's right. just part of me is like I guess if it was more dramatic I'd be more into it
0: hmm, interesting
1: but you like anyway, the drama do you apparently <laughs> <laughs> so I found the beginning to be unnerving mm-hmm. there's a lot of good sound work with train sounds and mm-hmm. the rattling it's not just a train it's the rattling of the track it's the rattling of the earth it's mm. they did a very good job with that and that I, just unnerved me i think a
0: lot of that is actually kelly reichner if you watch the beginning of the mm. film's credits there's a lot of things that she did herself and i believe editing might have been one of them, Oh well, as well as writing. She adapted the stories. She did herself. a very
1: good job with that then because mm. it really made me feel uneasy. Mm. So it wasn't just the story, the dialogue that was happening that could have given you that impression of uneasiness, mm-hmm. but her sound editing really made me feel uneasy. Mm. I felt uneasy just with that. And something, you know, it's like you said, it's like all subtle acting and very potent powerful acting but subtle nonetheless and yeah. the problem was my preconditioned action driven over-the-top drama driven mindset yeah yeah was waiting for the the action thing to happen mm-hmm. and so when i'm going through that waiting period i'm very uneasy and it's so unnerving for me. I don't like it.
0: I wonder what a second viewing would would do for you. You know, knowing knowing and having a better understanding of Kelly Reichardt's style as a director. Yeah, this
1: was my first of hers. That's also worth so, noting. This
0: is your very first Kelly Reichardt film.
1: Maybe so. this shouldn't have been my first. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I mean, you could have had the same experience with any of her other movies, maybe.
1: Well, and then coming to Laura Dern's segment, you know, I always watch her and all the different things she's been in. And I always love her. And I was having a really hard time falling in love with her. Oh, really? Yeah. And it could be the fact that I was distracted by all the men and how all the men were treating her. Because Mm. it's not just her client that doesn't listen to her. It's the police officers who you know, are helping with a situation with her client mm-hmm. and how they treat her. Oh, really? And they're not even caring towards her in the situation she's about to go into, and they're not very protective of her. Mm. And they, it's just, oh, my God, it pissed me off to no end. Interesting. So,
0: I, you must have seen something that I missed. While well, I, was and there. I
1: don't know if I should say much more because it could be a spoiler, but sure. if there are any women or men listening out there that are kind of in tune with how disregarding men can be towards women mm-hmm. watch that segment and tell me your thoughts because it would be mm-hmm. great to not feel alone oh. <laughs> or give up a spoiler you know Right, right, right. but
0: <sighs> what else did you not like about the matter
1: i felt like i needed more and maybe that's my conventional brain
0: okay
1: uh, i didn't know what to expect so i guess if you know what to expect that could help you mm-hmm. help someone like me yeah
0: Everybody should familiarize themselves with Kelly Reichert. I don't think everybody's going to like Kelly Reichert. I don't think she's for for everybody. I think she's
1: important. I think her Mm. work is important. Why is that? This is a a very important theme. Okay. And if you're not familiar with this theme, if you haven't come across this in your life, it's good for you to go watch this. Mm. If you are familiar with this and maybe you're not sure how to verbalize... Mm. that you should it's always helps when you watch movies to help you find the words yeah to explain your situation right most of the time with this movie i have one last thought i felt like i wasn't in on anything oh, really? i felt very isolated from everyone i i didn't even, even the
0: main characters you felt isolated from yeah them? i felt isolated. really
1: isolated and huh.
0: See, here I would think, if anything, you would see a character that you could relate to going through similar struggles that you've gone through in the past.
1: I mean, I guess I could relate to the second segment, but at the same time...
0: Oh, hopefully not for I, the same reasons. No, it was, it was
1: <laughs> generational uh, reasons. Like, okay. it wasn't me going through it personally, just generational. Gotcha. Um, but what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is even though certain aspects of the film were relatable as a woman yeah i still felt isolated from them and maybe Mm. that was meant to happen interesting for some people some viewers maybe you're supposed to feel isolated that second segment is definitely painfully isolated
0: that actually is one of the things i didn't like about the movie was you know i love michelle williams and she's one of the greatest actresses of my age uh, of our generation right now but i actually thought her her act her section of the film was the weakest
1: why did you feel that way
0: i felt that it was the least interesting of the three stories and they really it doesn't really necessarily go anywhere compared to the others So I found it less interesting. You
1: felt like it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Like there wasn't a resolution to the cheating?
0: There wasn't. Because it was like as almost a slice of life as you could possibly get. The most interesting scene in the entire section is the visit with the old man.
1: I thought that the end of her scene, the end of her segment, where they're coming and they're actually getting the sandstone. And again, she's surrounded by men. That was very well done, is each woman is so surrounded by men. Mm. And if they're not surrounded by men, if there is another woman around them, it's a very indifferent to the main character woman, Mm. like the teenage daughter or Kristen Stewart to Lily. So I feel like at the end of her segment she still was trying to be nice waving to the man and the man still didn't respond and i feel like that's just her loop that she's stuck in because sometimes that can happen
0: i yeah i don't know like i i've i've seen wendy and lucy which stars michelle williams and i've seen meek's cutoff which is Probably my favorite of the Kelly Reichardt films I've seen so far. Um, I haven't seen her earlier stuff, Old Joy, which I I hear is highly recommended, or her first film, uh, what was it, River of Grass and Ode. I haven't seen those, but I have seen from 2008 on her last four films. Meek's Cutoff is definitely my favorite, this film... This film has a lot to chew on. I mean, you, you're you left, you know, when this film ends, um, after briefly circling back to the other two characters, you're kind of left, like, thinking, huh, what was that about? Like, what like, what was this film about? You know, and you, you're left chewing on it. Much more, I think, uh, I feel like I was a little bit more at a loss. It was a little bit more of a challenge to figure out than her other films and i don't and i'm I'm hoping it's not just my own limitations that's bringing that to the table i i I really kind of feel like it was a little less satisfying compared to some of her best work Mm. Uh, and part of that is you do have this middle segment that i i really feel like i wanted more more out of Mm. especially with a talent like michelle williams i really wanted more out of it and, and, and i'm not necessarily saying like like you like there has to be this conventional you know oscar segment scene where she's like going off on some monologue or anything i don't, well, just I don't think
1: i don't think i'm craving that and i don't know what i'm craving yeah i think i want something more i just don't know what it is mm. and i don't know maybe it's the residual feelings of the characters that i'm left with mm. maybe those feelings aren't even mine i don't know oh interesting well there you go
0: <laughs> now the one other thing i will say uh, is a compliment to the film is kristen stewart oh i really feel like she's continuing the streak that she's got where she's working with some of the best directors we have right now in these indie films i guess it and... is
1: a good route that she's taking
0: and I think it's worth noting, like, there's a reason why Lily Glad—I mean, for Lily Gladstone—to be the one that stands out in that third segment, and like, Kristen Stewart's just basically giving it all to Lily. She's not trying to outperform. She's not trying to showboat or anything. She's interacting with, with Lily Gladstone's character. I don't think she's as disinterested as, as you indicated earlier because they do have a few um, late night conversations. So there's there's some enjoyment there to an extent. but But my point is that Kristen Stewart is kind of getting out of the way of Lily Gladstone. And that's I think that's really kind of cool.
1: I guess that's very supportive of women. Women supporting women.
0: But it also speaks to Kristen Stewart's talent, too. Um, She's growing quite a bit as an actress. And I think, unfortunately, she has the Twilight stigma, which did not give her any opportunities to act well.
1: Sometimes I can't let go of that. Right. Like well, Yet. you're not
0: alone. You're not alone. I mean, but, you know, we've had this conversation before. When
1: we watched that previous movie of hers, Personal Shopper,
0: which was I actually really like from this that.
1: One. I really love that.
0: Yeah, isn't it that scene? Yeah, and that came out this year. Certain Women came out September of last year. Yeah, I think she's also worth uh, noting in that way. But uh, Lily Gladstone definitely was allowed to steal the the show from her as much as someone can in a Kelly Reichardt film. So uh, I want to wrap up our final thoughts. It's coming out on Criterion in September. So I just want to read from Criterion's quoted description of what they are on from Wikipedia. They focus on licensing important classic and contemporary films. And they package them in special editions, basically, of these movies. So... Since certain women is getting the Criterion treatment, how do you feel about it as a, a contemporary film that of has importance?
1: Oh, I I do feel like it's an important piece of work. I said that earlier, and I do feel like it focuses on something that isn't always brought to our attention, mm-hmm. the general public's attention. So I feel like it deserves Criterion. It does, just, even though you didn't like it. Even though I didn't like it, okay, it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that it doesn't deserve the criterion collection. Uh, If you gave me a criterion table to evaluate the film on, then maybe I'd do that. But that's not usually the table I'm going for. The table I'm going for is, is this for me? Can I relate to it personally? Does it make me feel X, Y, Z? Sure, as you should, yes.
0: Yes. So it's definitely not a film that you um, outright dismiss. To wrap up, our final thoughts... What are your final thoughts on the film and how would you rate it on a scale of 1 to 10?
1: I feel that, I don't know, two stars out of five. I already said, like, if you want to show your daughter womanhood, watch this. Interesting. Uh, Combat it with something like spy, I don't know, where (laughs) you get to see women that do speak about being ignored. Yeah, uh, or rise from that. I don't think it's a film you should watch if you're feeling a bit down.
0: Oh God, no! Make no. sure you're in a good mood,
1: <laughs> or you have something to yeah. counter it.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. An antidote. If, yeah. if
1: you get that emotionally affected by movies, like I do,
0: mm.
1: like don't go in it thinking, "Oh, this is going to be fun." It's not.
0: Right, right. It's not. It's. It, this isn't you know anything greatly depressing either. It's just.
1: I don't know. I thought it was depressing.
0: I would say there's far more depressing films out there than this one. But
1: So, yeah, go ahead and watch it when you're in the right space, the right yeah. mind, and come at it from a critical point of view. It's not there to be enjoyed, I mm-hmm. don't think. It's there to say something.
0: Yeah, I think that's all uh, pretty fair. I I like the film more than you, but I'm also a little bit lukewarm to it. I would give it a 7 out of 10 myself definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of kelly Reichardt's work definitely make sure you seek this this out if you're a fan of any of the actresses work seek it out for sure i think you'll appreciate their work in this but it doesn't rise to the best of Reichardt's work what are your thoughts on certain women have you seen the film email us at the at gmail.com now it is time
1: to move to our 2009 film favorites! Woohoo!
0: Yes! Now, we have now officially moved on to a new decade, 2009.
1: It's a very interesting decade. A very interesting year, actually.
0: Yes, very interesting year. It is, as I mentioned before, the first year that was actually already published in the blog, Film Faves, the segment that inspired this part of the show. So definitely check that out. You'll find a little bit more context about the year 2009 in there. And I think maybe even a, a little bit about uh, The Best and Worst. Now, for me, formulating my list, I found that in my list of favorite movies, only one film made it from the top 10 highest grossing films of that year. And only two films that were award winners from that year made it to my list. How about yours, Shanna?
1: Oh, geez, I don't know. Um, Looks like I had one foreign film. I had a lot of animation. Uh, So one winner. Oscar winner mm-hmm. uh, in two categories, actually, that particular film. And, and were any
0: movies that were some of the highest grossing of that year make it to your list?
1: I guess one.
0: One for you, too? It's very interesting, yeah. No,
1: I believe two. Oh,
0: really? Interesting. Yeah. I bet it was Transformers' Revenge of the Fallen, oh, wasn't it? please stop. That was the one. That was Here's the one. thing.
1: What we should also note about this particular list is that our tastes have changed since 2009 so what mm-hmm. your 2009 list that you would have made in 2009 and, and mine link, yeah um would be probably a little different
0: well and that's kind of the fun of uh, being able from now on to be able to go back to those articles which i'll link in the show notes and be able to compare how different was that list to what you hear today
1: yeah and you know i really liked transformers two (gasps) that year oh come on that year okay i really did like it there were a couple of moments that really made me laugh and there's maybe only one moment that makes me laugh now and i'm kind of like i feel bad about it
0: i'm calling the counselor right now (laughs) we need to talk this through (laughs) we need our marriage relies on us working through
1: this suffering (laughs) (laughs) all because of the movies (laughs) All right,
0: well, why don't you get us started with your okay. number 12, pick? My
1: number 12 is Sherlock Holmes. Now, the, that is the mystery film. Everybody knows who Sherlock Holmes is. Right. And his dear sidekick. Watson. Is Dr. John Watson. So the two stars in this film are Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. And then you get Irene Adler, who is played by, honey, this is one of your favorite actresses.
0: Oh, is that the one Rachel McAdams There we go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So here's how I feel about this film. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought the soundtrack was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this film. Mm
0: -hmm. That's a score by Hans Zimmer, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And I still have that that theme stuck in my head every now and again.
0: And you're actually a fan of Guy Ritchie who took this property and kind of tried to... Put some energy i it.
1: feel like maybe it's missing a little bit of guy ritchie though if anyone has seen rock and roller and then compares mm-hmm. that to sherlock holmes it's actually kind of missing a huge chunk of G- guy ritchie interesting but it was still fun at the time but since watching the netflix show sherlock yeah uh, holmes I, I prefer that. <laughs> so, if oh, we the had, series yeah, with, uh, if Benedict we Homes ever Homes. made like a Sherlock Holmes favorites, mm-hmm. that would probably be way up yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, and then gotcha. followed by Basil of Baker Street.
0: Oh, gotcha! <laughs> Great mouse detective. Yeah. Okay, my number twelve to start us off with this list is Ryan Johnson's *The Brothers Bloom*.
1: You did have that on your list.
0: I did. Ryan Johnson previously had made a splash with his high school noir film Brick with Joseph Gordon Levitt. And here, I believe, with his second film, he tried his hand at the con movie, the con, con man genre, mm. with Mark Ruffalo and Adrian Brody play, playing brothers who are our own, uh, con, con artists. And uh, Riku Kikuchi, I believe, from Babel. Uh, she plays a, a unique side character, and you have Rachel Weiss as the mark of their con. Yeah, this is an incredibly clever film. It's very well directed, it's, it's bright, it's fun. Ryan Johnson is going to be huge. Come December because he's directed the next Star Wars film The oh, Last Jedi geez, yeah. and so this is a really great primer for people to get, get familiar with this um, awesome talent and this film is available to stream on HBO now and HBO Go Oh, and I should uh, reintroduce for those who are new to this segment and this episode. I I sometimes forget. We do try to point you in the direction of where some of these movies can be found online. Almost all of them can always be found uh, to rent on Amazon. But we focus primarily on Amazon Prime, HBO, Netflix, and Hulu. And we'll point out those films that can be found on those services. So Shanna, what's next for you?
1: So my number 11 is Mr. Nobody, which is available to stream on Netflix. This, I was really attracted to this because it's a story told in a non-linear form. It turns out that in this film, Ah, it is a science fiction drama film. Mm -hmm. And in this film, humans have conquered immortality. And Jared Leto, the star of the movie, his character is the only mortal left on this planet. Mm. And now everybody around the world is watching him as he dies. He's about to die. And his story is all about which way his life goes when his parents get divorced if he stays with his mother, this is what's going to happen. And if he stays with his father, this is what's going to happen. So that's one layer to it. And then the second layer is which woman he ends up being with. And he explains in the beginning of the film that essentially when your soul is created, you get to know everything that's going to happen in your life. It's And if you're familiar with that concept, you know, you've probably heard it before where it's like soul contracts. Mm. You know, this is what you're going to face in your world. And it's almost like a sales pitch for angels. (laughs) It's a fun way to look at it. Your mind is erased of what's to come during your human life. And he talks, Jared Leto talks about how his mind was not erased, which is why he's able to talk about all these things that are happening. So in addition to these layers, there's a third layer, because why not? (laughs) At his death, he is actually re-experiencing everything that's supposed to happen in his life and then he actually pinpoints which decision he's gonna make. Mm. Uh, so it's a really fascinating film, so many layers to it, and you really do have to pay attention. Mm. So I watched it on a sick day. I was pretty awake, so it was it was awesome. It was sometimes trippy, sometimes uh, relatable, because, yeah, you look back on your life and you're like, you remember that decision I made? That could have gone horribly to shit. <laughs> and, like, this really could have been what my life could have been. So a really fun film time traveling happening multi-existence happening lots of fun
0: fascinating i i may have to check that out you got me you interested. you should in <laughs> yeah very cool a serious man is next from me by the coen brothers this as i recall this film kind of came and went it didn't make those as big a splash as other films by the coen brothers like no country for old men or fargo or whatever And this is the film that really kind of introduced us to Michael Stuhlbarg, who's done a number of supporting roles since. And he's a really, really good actor. You've seen him in Arrival, Lovey. Um, He was in that film. Mm. Michael Stuhlbarg kind of plays this uh, hapless uh, Jewish father and husband who's just like one thing after another, is happening to him and i'll try to i'll I'll try to insert the trailer here because it actually has one of the best and coolest trailers uh, of that year for sure with intercutting the sounds of him having his head pushed into a wall with uh, uh, dialogue and other things (laughs) i'll try to put that in here
1: you and uh, urging us not to grant you tenure. I need help. We're going to be fine. I've tried to be a serious man.
0: We're going to be fine. Tried to do right, be a member of the community. We're going
1: to be fine. Please, just tell him I need help. Please. We're going to be fine.
0: Apparently, it's got some biblical parallels that I'm not as familiar with ah. to his story and a, a biblical character's story. and It also stars voice actor Fred Melman, who is just gratingly annoying and hilarious. The character Cy Abelman, mm-hmm. this guy who just swoops in... And basically takes his family from him. You know, you know, has an affair with his wife and, and and he's he's he has these conversations with Stuhlbarg's Larry Gopnik that are trying to be reasonable and pointing out that even you know, these crazy absurd Situations. That's actually what's reasonable, and and Larry just needs to to be reasonable, and, and you know let these things happen. And it's just hilarious. <laughs> just it's, let it go. It's such a great black comedy, and if you've overlooked it, uh, you need to seek it out. That is a serious man by the Coen Brothers.
1: My number ten is Julie and Julia, and that stars amy adams and meryl streep this is a comedy another 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 nora Ephron. <laughs> you're a big fan of nora efron <laughs> apparently i thought i wasn't but here we go meryl streep is depicting julia child yes a very famous cook
0: right who had actually i think passed away Prior to this, amazingly enough. It
1: was like a little bit before, a little bit after the release of the film. Mm -hmm. And then another woman named Julie, who is really battling with her day-to-day job. She's like a blogger, right? She becomes a blogger. And she's uh, dealing with a very difficult job. And it it becomes draining. And so she starts actually cooking. So she gets Julia Child's cookbook. And she decides she's going to take on cooking a recipe of hers every day which geez that's commitment because I I think there's over 500 recipes and uh, she blogs about it and people really get excited about it with her and uh, it's just like her escape and we that's being told parallel to Julia Child's story, how she got into cooking, how they moved to France. And she was also kind of in a rut of her own and how she went to Le Cordon Bleu to study culinary. Mm. And that was just so fascinating. And so I believe her whole purpose was to show people how easy it can be to cook and how you can cook at home. Beautiful dishes. Right. So, that is my number 10. I get a kick out of that film. What is yours?
0: I love you, man.
1: Oh, I love you too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is comedy starring Paul Rudd and one of my favorite actors of the era, Jason Segel. Paul Rudd is basically a guy who has no guy friends. He has a fiancé or a a wife, I can't remember which, played by Rachida Jones, who was getting popular with Parks and Rec, I believe, at that time. And he basically befriends Jason Segel. And it's this it's this kind of bromance that is hilarious and irreverent. And it's been a few years since I've seen it, but I I just, you know, Paul Rudd is so good in these movies. Jason Segel was a great character for him to kind of bounce off of and, and kind of play together with him. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, but I really enjoyed it. I think it was probably the funniest movie I saw that year. So I love you, man.
1: My number nine is Sunshine Cleaning, and it is starring Amy Adams and Emily Blunt. Hey, it's Amy Adams again. <laughs> awesome. I didn't realize That's the only fun. One was in that movie. <laughs> oh, God, she's great. Mm. So, it's, so this is a comedy-drama film, and it's about two sisters they're kind of in a rut <laughs> in their own way. And eventually, they want to start making money, uh, extra money, than what they're actually making already. And they decide that they're going to go for a crime scene cleanup company. Right. Yeah. So, they're dealing with, I mean, I don't know. If, if you're used to watching crime films or crime shows and you ever wondered... What's going to happen to the mess afterwards? This film does a pretty good job of answering that question for you. And, you know, sisters are a really funny thing. I can't relate to that because I don't have a sister. I have sisters from other mothers. But, you know, stick two siblings together to clean up something and (laughs) hilarity will ensue and you will work through your crap that you have as siblings. So that is my number nine.
0: My next film is... Moon by Duncan Jones.
1: I knew that was going to make your list.
0: Oh, very good. Probably one of the most brilliant films of 2009, so I don't know how I could avoid it. This is one of those awesome movies that you really don't want to say too much about. Let's just say that Sam Rockwell plays a man who's finishing his uh, time uh, working on the moon. He does some sort of labor there, the specifics of which I don't recall. But he, he has like a, a, a four-year mission or something like that, that he's coming to the end of his time. He's really looking forward to seeing his wife and daughter again. And then, on one of his last days, he comes across something that turns everything upside down.
1: Oh, it's very scary.
0: It sounds very scary, but it's actually not. But it is a very cool one-man show and... It's definitely worth your time. Duncan Jones did a lot with very little in this sci-fi film. You believe the environment. You believe everything you're seeing. It's very, very cool. And Sam Rockwell definitely proves himself. If you ever questioned him before, this guy definitely deserves all the attention and accolades he's received since. I just wish that Duncan Jones had made a movie that lived up to this uh, this debut of his. I don't think he's quite done it yet. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, Moon is a great film, and you should definitely hunt that one down.
1: My number nine is Coraline, and this is a stop-motion animation. It stars one of my favorite, Dakota Fanning, Terry Hatcher, Jennifer Saunders, and a couple of other people. And... This family moves from Michigan to Oregon, which I just realized, oh, they're just around the corner from us. <laughs> That's always exciting. And she gets to explore this alternative world. And it's filled with doppelgangers. So everything's the same, except you can tell that this is the strange world because they have buttons for us.
0: Right, but isn't this, like, supposed to be a kind of a fantasy, like, uh, wish-fulfillment world that she lives
1: in? Yes, like, you get yeah. everything you want, or so it seems.
0: Right, right. And
1: then, because her parents just don't have time to spend with her. Right. So it's one of those great movies that remind you, as parents, look, you, you've got to spend time with your kid. You can't just pop it out and then move on with life.
0: But also for kids that maybe uh, they should be careful what they wish for, it wouldn't actually yeah. be as great as they think it would be.
1: Yeah, it's, it isn't always green on the yeah. other side, and it might not be green for very long. So I enjoyed that, mostly because even though it's it's quite dark, it's mm-hmm. quite a dark theme. It's and, a Neil Gaiman story. Yeah, I enjoyed the performances. Mm. And it's been a while since we've seen Terry Hatcher in in anything.
0: Yeah, right. I wonder
1: where she is.
0: Yeah. I do. I think this was in uh, around her Desperate Housewives run, too. Yes, Mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, can anyone find that uh, film
1: anywhere? Yes, on Netflix. Jeff can see my notes, so whenever I forget to say something, he's like, um... (laughs) It's my job.
0: (laughs) So for me, the next film is In the Loop. Which you can find on Netflix and Hulu. It's from the brilliant mind of Armando Iannucci, who uh, went on later to create the hit HBO series Veep.
1: Oh, he did? Yes. Good for him. Now, In the Loop... This is like his audition. (laughs) Well,
0: not exactly, because In the Loop is... A movie based on his BBC series in uh, the thick of it. Oh, okay. And so this is a kind of a, a political satire that is just a laugh a minute, dialogue driven film. Uh, and, and it's and,
1: difficult, and, difficult, lemon difficult. Right.
0: <laughs> There's so many things that you could quote from it. But also, what's really cool is it introduced the states to. Peter Capaldi, who now is well known for being the most recent uh, doctor uh, in Doctor Who, which you watch in the loop and you kind of like that guy wanted to be Doctor Who. That's insane because his the things that come out of his mouth are so filthy and nasty (laughs) and and wonderfully creative, too. It's. It's hilarious. James Gandolfini also makes an appearance as a American uh, general in it, but uh, mostly this is this is the Brits show, and it is incredibly delightful. You know, when I said that I love you, man, was the funniest comedy I had seen this year. It is only beat out by In the Loop, which is laugh out loud hilarious, and I think also had a surprise uh, supporting performance by Anna Klumski, who at that point we really hadn't seen post My Girl. So it was, it's a true delight to see her Wait, in she's this in movie. that,
1: and then she gets to be in Veep? Yes. Oh. Yes. See, I've, unfortunately I fell asleep during this film just because I had a hard day that day. Ah. So I did want to watch this before the list, but I didn't get to it.
0: Right, right. So that's In The Loop, which you can check out now on Netflix and Hulu.
1: My number seven is Fantastic Mr. Fox.
0: Awesome pick.
1: Oh, my God. Such a fantastic film. And I believe this is on Criterion as well, didn't it? It
0: does have a Criterion treatment, mm. yes.
1: Okay, so this is starring George Clooney and Meryl Streep, and there are a ton of others like Bill Murray and William Defer. And it's directed by Wes Anderson. And I think that that mm. really gives it that beautiful style to it
0: it's very different from what you would expect based on a Roald Dahl book
1: too. and it is stop-motion animation mm-hmm. and I feel like you know you look at Roald Dahl's books and some things are really harsh that happen in there yeah but it's okay because it's Roald Dahl and sometimes that doesn't get translated in the movies oh
0: yeah they soften his stuff yeah. sometimes yeah
1: but what I found with this one is they they didn't really soften a lot hmm. and it was at times harsh and I was like I was working at a daycare at the time when I discovered this film and I thought to myself oh we were doing a a week on underground animals and this will be so perfect and then I watched it again and I was like oh (laughs) for the threes and fours I guess not. <laughs> so Yeah, that's true. It's yeah. definitely
0: for older kids and adults. But
1: just such a beautiful film. The cinematography, the lighting. Oh my God, the lighting. If you mm-hmm. ever wanted to learn about lighting, go watch this and you'll know what I'm talking about. I completely fell in love with this film. Did you
0: ever read the book Fantastic Mr. Fox?
1: I don't believe so.
0: See, that was one of my blind spots. I, I read almost everything Roald doll growing up, but that was one of the few ones I didn't ever catch up with. So I wasn't mm-hmm. sure how I compared to
1: the book I just thought this film was so clever yeah and it's kind of hard to explain but there's certain things that the characters do and then the way it's depicted in the film is just so smart you have underground animals digging their way to get to wherever they're going on their mission but in the same film panel you can also see the farmers that are after them right. and it's just a little bit you see a little bit of them and you see mostly the ground so all the image framing as yeah. well is just just such a great cinematography piece I really feel
0: like Wes Anderson took a, a turn with uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox I, I'm not a fan of any of his previous work uh, prior to this but I really feel like really? starting with Fantastic Mr. Fox he took this creative turn and I've liked I think all of his films since since then and so that's a great pick that's awesome for me Zombieland
1: I knew that was gonna make it oh is it
0: (laughs) so this was a uh, so a blast this film oh it's a Bill
1: Murray film no I'm kidding
0: well (laughs) he he makes an appearance in the film and that's actually a spoiler at the time you hadn't seen the movie that was a spoiler back then Yes. that he was even in the movie they just only hinted that they had some some someone special that made an appearance but this film stars woody harrelson and jesse eisenberg jesse eisenberg is the main character with some great narrative work and a voiceover work kind of opens the movie with the rules of of uh Zombieland too in order to survive zombie land mm. If I remember correctly, Amber Heard, a very early Amber Heard, yes. Heard role as on that Jesse Eisenberg encounters early in the movie. But most importantly, Emma Stone and Abigail Breslin. Oh, are they're great and, sisters. Oh, they're so awesome. I think this was just a couple years after Emma Stone had uh, kind of turned heads a little bit with Superbad being one of the girls that the guys are trying to get to at the party mm. and well and
1: then a year later she would be an easy a i believe right which yeah. we
0: talked about in the previous episode uh so this was a huge step forward for her and of course i mean it actually be really interesting to go back and watch this movie after watching everything else she's done after her how, about we, just, how about we just how about we just have, and have an
1: emma stone marathon oh, let's sh- do that that'd be so cool. it'll be so awesome
0: that'd be very cool Uh, Obviously, we're fans of Emma Stone. But yeah, I'm a fan of this movie. It's not scary. It's sometimes gory, but it's just plain fun. It's just a fun movie. And so it's definitely one of my favorites that's zombie land
1: my number six is Ponyo which is a Haya Miyazaki film and if you're not familiar where have you been
0: yeah you should <laughs> open your open your horizons beyond Disney
1: yes um even though they kind of are under Disney just well, for film distribution right yeah
0: Disney mm-hmm. distributes in the states yeah the Miyazaki films but anyway go ahead <laughs>
1: This is a Japanese animated fantasy comedy. And it really is a comedy. It's like a version of Ariel. Well, in a is, way. It
0: is loosely based on Little Mermaid. A yeah. uh, fairy tale.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, do, they don't even skimp on the, if you do not fall in love with her, she will turn to seafoam. They mm-hmm. actually mention that. Mm. And I just thought that this was like the cutest thing I had ever seen. And the, it's hand-drawn which we don't get enough of anymore. And all this ocean sea life is hand-drawn. And there's like hundreds and hundreds of little fishies, you know, swimming everywhere. And all the intricacies, the original storytelling, the colors that are always chosen, the dialogue of Miyazaki films Mm -hmm. is just always intriguing to me. So... I highly recommend this film, and you could do this at any age, really. Mm. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it. After I saw it, we rented it, I wanted to buy it. Mm -hmm. So, like, immediately, like, get it in my house now.
0: It is definitely an experience. Uh, Next for me is also an experience. It's called Watchmen, which you can find. Wait,
1: it's only number six? It
0: is, Oh talked a little bit about it in our superhero episode i believe this film can be found on hbo if you want to just stick with the uh, two hour 45 minute version you can find it there and you know i, I would think a general uh average movie goer would probably want to stick with the two hour 45 minute version i think the so the run even though there's significant differences things are missing from that in the director's cut which I feel is a better version But mm,
1: I feel like if you're a fan of the graphic novel then don't bother with the theatrical release
0: yeah yeah although some argue I feel mistakenly that if you're a fan of the graphic novel don't bother with the film at all oh but,
1: come on guys
0: I mean <laughs> again aside from the hallelujah scene which I admit it's painful yeah, to get they, through it. They
1: just needed to pick a different song. Maybe,
0: maybe there's maybe someone out been there has okay. figured out how to just like put that on mute and turn on <laughs> a, different a different
1: song. You know, maybe take my breath song? away.
0: I don't know. Write <laughs> us, right into us if you actually have found a song that suits the feel and the mood and the, the point of that scene better, than and fits the time of that scene better. Uh, that uh, you recommend, but. Well, it's flaws aside it's it's a, a total geekgasm for someone like myself who appreciates and loves and admires the original piece of work as well as superhero films in general again if you want more thoughts on Watchmen, go check out our superhero episode i'm going to in the meantime pitch it to you shanna
1: my number five is up the pixar film Did that make it to your list at all? We'll see. Oh, okay. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Mm. And don't worry, with Pixar films, you're not really sure at which point you're going to cry. They get it out of the way in the first 10, 15 minutes. But what a fantastic story about just being in such a bitter place and just wanting to extract yourself from humanity because your only lifeline to humanity is gone. Mm. And... How you can heal from that when someone who is still full of vigor and life can remind you that it's not over for you. It's time to go have an adventure. And you can have adventure every day mm. um, within the comfort of your own home, with down the street to go get some ice cream. So I feel like that's a fantastic movie. And of course, there are plenty of dogs in this film, and no dog dies. It's so. Great. Is that accurate? Uh, maybe one gets, goes away.
0: I feel, like, I feel like that's not entirely accurate. Maybe
1: one goes away. I can't remember. Yeah. But it's not traumatic for me. And if it's not <laughs> traumatic for you, it's pro- for me, it's probably not going to be for you. And just really funny moments. These dogs can talk because they have a collar. And that's not a spoiler. That's just an incentive to go watch it. Go ahead and just go buy it.
0: <laughs> My number five is paranormal activity. Oh,
1: should Which- I step away? You're not going to talk too much I'm actually about
0: surprised it. that it's in the midpoint, roughly the midpoint of my list, because this movie absolutely terrified me. And, and the reason why is mm. because it plays on a few things that kind of mess with me. Uh, for one thing, it, it plays on Home Invasion.
1: I swear to God, if I don't get to sleep tonight, I'm going to smack you.
0: It'll be all right. Trust me. Jeez. It it plays, in a way, it plays on home invasion. It plays on this notion of something of not of this world, so to speak, that you cannot do anything about that is stronger and more powerful than you. And uh, the absolute helplessness feeling that can result from both of those things when joined together. I swear to you that when I watched this thing in the theater, it got to a point that once that low bass sound kicked in and that night vision kicked in, I was rocking in my seat, unsure if I was going to be able to handle what was going to happen next. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like this is a... A story that got ultimately run into the ground, unfortunately, as the horror genre often does when something is successful. But don't hate the original; it's it's a great one and definitely among the best of the found footage subgenre.
1: I'm not scared at all. So my number four is District Nine. This is a science fiction film directed by South African director Neil Blomkamp Mm -hmm. and it is written by him as well as Terry Thatchell and it's produced by Peter Jackson.
0: Yeah, he got a little bit of a a layup from Peter Jackson to be able to make this movie. Mm -hmm.
1: Now, this is a film that is also of the found footage genre, can you believe it or not? Is it? Apparently. I don't recall. All that There's film. a little bit of found footage. It's been
0: way too long since I've seen this movie.
1: This film, I know, went down really well in South Africa. Oh, I imagine Because there was so much relatable to it. Mm. You know, South Africa only got rid of apartheid, uh, I guess, in ninety ninety four. Um, it only started trying. The country only started trying to heal from it ninety four onwards. So when this film came out in 2009, it was, it, was pretty, it was good timing too because there were a lot of xenophobic attacks happening. Mm. A lot of people from Zimbabwe and other neighboring countries to South Africa, they were pouring into South Africa because they were trying to get away because a lot of people were being killed. Unfortunately, a lot of South Africans felt this was threatening their livelihood, and so they were killing these people. Mm. This is a great film to watch with your teenager. Um, especially if you want to get the get them to learn the concepts of xenophobia and segregation. A lot of what was going on has a lot of references to what was actually happening during apartheid times. There was a District 6 that has a lot of rich history, and the fact that this film was called District 9 was very interesting for South Africans. Right, right. I thought it was very well directed. I thought the acting was amazing. I love Sholto Copley. I highly recommend this film.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a movie I need to rewatch. It's been way too long for me. Next for me is Pixar's Up.
1: Mm, is it? It is. So it is on your list. It is.
0: <laughs> so while I do feel like the third act of the film gets a little bit away from what the film starts out being and a little bit more of the conventional adventure sort of thing, this is one of pixar's strongest films emotionally and i really feel like pete doctor who directed it is one of pixar's greatest directors and and, and absolutely and most consistent directors too his work is amazing every time absolutely and up is definitely one of them you know the off-sighted first 10 minutes of the film it just has a short film on its own is remarkable and it just brings the house down Michael Giacchino's score definitely lends a hand to that but you know this is a really great story about letting go it's about grief and and loss and how difficult it can be to move on and, and let go of someone who's so important to your life and recognizing that maybe there's new people or other people in your life who can be just as well not maybe not just as but can also be important to your life too yeah
1: that's a good way of saying
0: it. And can kind of be these things that tether you um, and keep you grounded uh so it's a beautiful beautiful story it's my fourth favorite film from 2009
1: and Giacchino did win for best score yes he did. that yes. year yes. and yes. they also won best animation
0: right yes absolutely
1: My number three is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh And I really enjoyed this film. It's crime. It's European. It's subtitles. (laughs) It's foreign. So it has a... Brilliant.
0: Absolutely brilliant.
1: Well, yeah. Because it's foreign, it has a (laughs) very particular style to it. Yeah, Yeah. It's very different. You can tell instantly this isn't... This isn't American. This isn't mainstream. Oh,
0: it's intelligent, for mm-hmm. one thing. Much more intelligent than most.
1: And I don't want to give very much away from it. And the main character did feature in Jeff's list in the previous episode for yes. mm-hmm. great main female characters. Absolutely. And what I can say is just, you know, it's, it's quite thrilling. Mm-hmm. It's, there are some uneasy mm-hmm. scenes to it. But oh, it's, the entire trilogy is worth it.
0: Mm. those hours but especially the first film that you're you're highlighting here I mm-hmm. fully agree with you absolutely so i
1: highly recommend that you go check that out if you need to be exposed to something new there's political crime happening in it there's yeah. other crime yeah you know just fantastic performances yeah. really all the way through all three films and so uh
0: michael nick the star of it the co-star of it, just passed mm. away this year so it's a oh he it's did it's uh, worth uh noting yeah how
1: did he pass away
0: i don't remember but he, oh. yeah, he passed away and uh, so it's worth um checking this out if you hadn't because it's his best role that i'm aware of
1: mm. quite fantastic
0: very cool my third favorite film of two thousand nine is *Inglorious Bastards*, which you can find on Netflix. We've talked a little bit about this film in, in in the past. I feel like it's almost a movie that we just need to retire from our lists completely. We're growing a, a, a list that we'll feature on on the website eventually of movies that you and I jointly love and would constantly be on our list. And I feel like this is definitely... We should do like a horrible. how many
1: times that movie gets mentioned yeah. list.
0: <laughs> well, so... I don't know if there's anything more I can add. I do say, I will say, that I feel like this is Quentin Tarantino's crowning achievement. Mm. I feel like this is his peak. This is everything mm. that he had been doing uh, before and working up to. It is, his, it is his masterpiece, even though... He gets a little a grand self-grandizing at the very Oh, end. I think he can with, be self-grandizing all he wants. Very, the very last line of the movie is not just talking about a carving. But I can forgive it. <laughs> I think that. that's
1: fine. I think it's I, okay. <laughs> I
0: can forgive it because in this case, he's actually right. You know, it's one thing mm-hmm. if it's an awful movie and someone says that, you're like, you know, you can't help but laugh. But in this case, I think he's absolutely um. right. It also gave us... In the character of Hans Landa, Christoph Waltz.
1: Oh, what a fantastic fucking actor.
0: Who, unfortunately, has not been given fantastic fucking roles hey, since this movie. Hey, Django
1: Unchained was pretty good.
0: Yeah, it was pretty good. That's true. Quentin Tarantino's the only one that's given this guy a break, unfortunately, in the States. Because his, his, the rest of his Hollywood career has not been up to par. I
1: do like his commercials with, I think it's Clash of Clans.
0: Oh, yeah. I've
1: got I, I do like his performance in there too, though.
0: Yeah, I would say that's kind of a what the fuck are you doing in these commercials? But no. I
1: love it. I think he's great. Anyway,
0: yeah. Um, I, I we've, we've spoken about it. I, I'm sure you'll bring it up. I'm not going to say anything more. But you can't find it on Netflix.
1: My number two is Watchmen, available on HBO, as Jeff had already mentioned. This was, again, to me, this was technically my first, I guess, adult superhero film Mm. and first superhero film that questioned the power of superheroes Mm -hmm. not that they call themselves superheroes well
0: they are though i mean they are they fall
1: into that category but i i thought it was a beautiful piece of work i loved the cinematography i loved Zack snyder's direction Mm. i did read the book afterwards i didn't know it was a graphic novel oh wow really we just were not exposed to that and it was only Couple of years after Watchmen, that we started even getting graphic novels in the bookstores, mm. and then Amazon became available to mm. South Africa shortly after the re- the release of Watchmen. And so I got all the Watchmen books. Like,
0: what do you mean all the? There's only well, one book. So
1: there's the graphic novel, yeah, by, by Vertigo,
0: yeah,
1: and by Alan Moore, and. Then there was *A Watchman*. The cinematography. Then there was *A Watchman*. The portraits behind each actor, oh, about and the movie. it was just okay. there were okay. like seven books see, about see, the see, movie. I so I really enjoyed that film. You can listen to one of our other podcasts if you need more info.
0: Cool. My second favorite film of 2009 is Jason Reitman's *Up in the Air*, starring George Clooney, Vera, Vera Farmiga. And Anna Kendrick, who Anna Kendrick was a real find in this film. He, she's, she's magnificent as this very uptight young generation coming in to uh, take over what George Lu- Clooney had been doing for years. What
1: George Lucas had yeah, been doing well, for years. <laughs> what
0: George Clooney had been doing. George Clooney is great. I think this is one of his best performances. I think this is Jason Reitman's best film. It was very timely. I mean, this is a film about a guy whose job it is to fire people for Mm. whatever reason, usually because of layoffs. It was timely because the recession had just hit. That's.
1: I mean, in South Africa, it had been in motion for a year.
0: Yeah. Well, no order industry hit in fall of two thousand eight, but this film came out in two thousand nine, a year later. So people like it was very timely. Oh, people had felt it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just it is a remarkable film I love it so much and the the chemistry between Vera Farmiga and George Clooney has this very like golden age Hollywood chemistry to it I feel like you know it's very reminiscent of like Cary Grant and one of his co-stars you know it doesn't have the rat-a-tat you know dialogue bouncing back and forth or anything but it just simmers you know and sizzles right there on the screen (laughs) <laughs> so, I think they're just really magnificent. So, yeah, Up in the Air. I absolutely love this film. It also had a really great trailer, too, which uh, you should check out on YouTube. Uh, but you can find Up in the Air on uh, Amazon Prime and Hulu.
1: My number one is Inglorious Bastards. Mm, I surprise. loved this movie so fucking much.
0: And this is why I married her.
1: <laughs> when I hadn't seen Inglorious Bastards, For like a year and a half. And when I found out that Jeff owned it, I was like, can we watch that tonight? (laughs) I was like, really looking forward to it. What actually happens in Inglorious Bastards is this is a film about the assassination attempts on Hitler. And it's an alternative version. Mm. So let your mind wander. And It's just there's multiple character stories happening. They're kind of overlapping at certain times in the film. There's very strong female characters in this, including the Shoshana character Mm -hmm. and then another character played by Diane uh, Kruger. Yeah, Diane Kruger is
0: great in it. Yeah,
1: yeah, and Brad Pitt is in this. Christoph Waltz is in this. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Eli Roth, who's (laughs) very important uh, to horror genre. Uh, he's in it and there's just so much happening and most of the time during this film i had my jaw on the ground because i was like oh my god (laughs) did that really just happen and then you remember it's quentin tarantino and then you're like oh wait okay it's okay i really loved the music in this film too i have that stuck in my head from time to time Hmm.
0: yeah who did the score to that film
1: it's actually, none of it is original, if I remember correctly. Oh, He's really? taken pieces from other things. Oh,
0: okay. He's done that before.
1: Yeah, there. I think that's his style. Mm. And this is a movie that has a very satisfying end.
0: You know, one of the, one of the great things about this film is also there are three, I think three f- scenes that are just really long yes. scenes of dialogue that just... Do the thing that he did in Pulp Fiction where it starts as kind of mundane conversation and it just grows more and more and more unsettling.
1: Yeah, and I think the more you watch it, Mm -hmm. like... I think I've watched it maybe 20 times, yeah. and as you watch it again and again, you start to realize how subtle it was in the beginning. And because you know how yeah. it's going to unfold, you're like, "Oh my God, this is genius!" Right. You know.
0: The first sequence that introduces Hans Landa, in particular, is is masterful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Well, my favorite film of 2009 is. 500 Days of Summer.
1: I knew it would make your list.
0: Directed by Mark Webb, starring Joseph Gordon Levitt and Zoe Deschanel. This film is seriously the best, if not one of the best, romantic comedies of the century.
1: Is this when you fell in love with Zoe Deschanel?
0: No, because I crushed on her in Elf previously and then a ah, couple other okay. things. This this movie did not help that crush.
1: I mean, oh, for heaven's <laughs> sakes, Jeff! <laughs> but very good film. What's
0: what's magnificent about it is it takes a very subjective perspective of love and a relationship, and it speaks to so many things about love and relationships. As a result. There are many magnificent sequences, such as the expectations versus reality sequence, the dance sequence with the Hollow Notes song. Uh, that's the, the post first sex, first night of sex scene, the IKEA scenes. Ah, uh, yes. Things, you know, <laughs> that's just great about this. And Joseph and Zoe are just magnificent leads so so good actors at this they, they get the material if you're a fan of annie hall if you're a fan of smart romantic comedies that actually try to say something about love rather than just giving you conventions you will love 500 days of summer at, hopefully as much as i did and it has a really great soundtrack too
1: Mm -hmm. you know i had found the soundtrack before i found the film me too yeah yeah Yeah. and i had told you we had just started our relationship and i told you oh i found the soundtrack and uh this is what it's called and this is what it has on it and you were like oh my god have you seen the movie and i was like no and i watched the movie and i was like wasn't this interesting to watch in the beginning of our relationship (laughs) it is it is actually good homework you know because then you talk about you know, I always think that this and this is going to happen in this situation, right. and it never does. Those yeah. are my expectations, and then your partner can discuss it with you. It's actually a really good. It's good therapy. Maybe we should just Maybe. watch that.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that is my favorite film of 2009. What is your favorite film of 2009? Email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. And that will about do it for this episode of The Movie Lovers. Shanna, where can people find more of your work? You can
1: find me on all my various social media channels via my website at www.shannapaxton.com. That's S-H-A-N-N-A-P-A-X-T-O-N.
0: Awesome. You can find more reviews, lists, and other things at thegibsonreview.com. Go to Facebook and search for The Gibson Review. You will find third-party links, mini-reviews, and other episodes on here. Speaking of other episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes. You will find our entire list of the past. This is our 11th episode, so you'll find the previous 10 episodes there or on SoundCloud. you also find me at Flickchart. By searching the Gibson 99, you'll be able to follow me there and maybe you'll see what movies we have in common there. Next time on the movie lovers, it is our fall movie preview. The summer has come to an end at that point. Oh, that's so
1: sad. so
0: sad, but it's been a great summer and there's several movies that we still need to catch up with that we missed this summer. But we'll be looking ahead at what movies we're looking forward to during the fall season. That's September through November for us. And also we'll be counting down our favorite movies of 2008. Another great year in film. In the meantime, this is Jeff
1: and Shanna Paxton
0: signing off. Keep loving the movies. Bye-bye. A Serious Man by the Coen Brothers. It's
1: my turn now, Dad. My favorite film of the year was Up. Doug was a fantastic depiction of dogs everywhere. <laughs> um, if we were able to talk through a device, but we know it's a little sci-fi there. Uh, maybe we're close to it. Who knows? But wouldn't it be cool to hear what your dog has to say and how much he loves you or she? I'm a she. That's what I relate to. <laughs> yeah, Up. Go check it out. We bring healing.